So we're continuing our study in the Old Testament book of Daniel. Last week we saw Babylon that was led by King Belshazzar fall to the Medes and the Persians as Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2 had predicted would happen. So we pick up with Darius taking over and getting his kingdom in order. So this is under the Medes and the Persians, and Darius is getting his kingdom in order, and we're going to pick up in chapter 6. It says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, which are pretty much equivalent to governors, to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. So if you remember, right before Babylon, right before the fall of Babylon, Daniel was promoted to third in charge. You remember that? Because he was able to interpret the writing on the wall, he was promoted to third in charge, although his promotion only lasted literally hours, literally hours, because the kingdom then fell. It made Daniel a person of interest. Now, normally, if someone would come in and conquer a kingdom, they would usually kill or in prison all the leaders. So why did this happen to Daniel? Why wasn't Daniel killed or in prison like the rest of the leaders would have been? Well, I think it's probably because Darius knew what was going on. He knew the account of Daniel, and he knew that Daniel wasn't all in for Babylon. He knew that this guy, there was something special about him. So he, he put him in a very prominent place. So then this Daniel, came, this Daniel became distinguished above, above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel excelled. He was well-liked by King Darius, but not everyone was going to feel the same way about Daniel. There were some that wanted him out of the position because they actually wanted the position. So then it goes on and says this. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Now, this is where we're going to find our first two lessons from this passage. And the first lesson that we find is this. Envy will lead you down a bad road. Now, envy is the feeling of discontented or resentful longing sparked by someone else's possessions, their qualities, or position. So, so what's happening here in this part, in this, in this passage, is this. These officials see Daniel excelling. So they basically say, we want to get him out of there. We want to get him out of there. So they start to comb over Daniel's life and look at his life, and they're like, we can't find anything as far as in regards to the kingdom. Like, we can't find him doing anything wrong. There's no charge that we can bring against Daniel. So here's a bunch of appointed leaders that are envious of Daniel because of his high position in the kingdom and his good reputation. Now, at this point, they realize the only way, the only way we're going to trap this guy is if it has to do with him obeying his God. The only way we're going to 
figure out how to get rid of him is it has to be in connection with his God somehow. Now, this is why I say envy leads us down a bad road. Because at this point in the account, when they were realizing how upstanding Daniel was, rather than being envious of him, what they should have done is they should have been inspired by him. Now think about this. They're seeing this guy, and he's got integrity. He's got good character. Instead of being envious of that, they should have been inspired and actually learned from him. So what we can take from this is if there's anyone in your life that you're envious of, if there's anyone in your life that you look and you say, I want what they have, I want to be in a position that they're in, basically what the lesson here is this. Instead of being envious of them, be inspired by them because your envy, if it goes unchecked, it will lead you down a bad road. But if you learn and are inspired from those people that maybe that you're looking at in an envious way, those people actually might become some of your best friends, some of the people that help you the most. God may bless you so much more in a situation that you see someone, you're like, I want what they have, or I'm envious of them. So these guys, they totally missed something. They totally missed something because Daniel would have never harmed them. Daniel would have always helped them in any situation. They were leaders in the king's court. They were governors. They were high officials. They should have looked at Daniel and said, okay, what can we learn from this guy? How can we be better leaders? How can we do better for the kingdom? Which brings us to the second lesson that we learn is this. Be above reproach. Now, reproach means to discredit, disgrace, or disapprove. So to be above reproach would mean a person is blameless. You can't find fault. Notice with Daniel, it says they could not find a complaint against him in regards to the kingdom. Do you know what that means? Daniel was a good citizen. He was a good citizen. Now, in no way is this passage ever teaching Daniel was a perfect man, because we know the only perfect one to walk this earth was Jesus himself. But what this is saying is Daniel was a good citizen in the kingdom. He was a good citizen. He did what was right in the eyes of the king. Now, as believers, our call is to be above reproach. We should be the people that somebody looks at and says, like, you know what? I really can't find much that this person is doing wrong. We shouldn't be that sketchy or shady person doing things that others are, like, kind of scratching their head, like, I thought they were a believer. Like, I thought they had integrity, but, you know, that was kind of weird, or what they said, or what they did. Sadly, what happens in life is this. The more you learn how to be deceptive in areas the better that you get at it. People may, maybe sometimes can't even point their finger. There's something up, but they can't really point their finger because you learn to be crafty about it. You learn to be deceptive about it. But the scriptures teach us this in multiple places, that we need to be above reproach. Daniel was. He was an upstanding man that these men should have looked at and said, you know what? I want to take a page out of Daniel's book and actually learn from him. That's why we have the part of the reason why we have the book of Daniel, because now you and I could say, okay, you know what? If I'm in a situation, what does the Lord desire of me? 
He desires me to be above reproach. That means in the society and in the culture and in the land and in the country and in the community that I live, I should be like a Daniel. I should be above reproach in every area. When somebody looks at my life, they would be like, yep, that one, he or she, they abide by the law. They're a good citizen. There's nothing that I could say that's bad about them that would be true. So let's see what happens. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes a petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions. Now notice this. What did they say? All the officials, right? Do you think they consulted Daniel on this one? Okay, so already they're going to the king and they're being deceitful to the king. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians. Now remember that, according to the law of the Medes and Persians. Remember, this was a divided kingdom. According to Nebuchadnezzar's dream, two kingdoms, Medes and Persians, came together to rule, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. So it's easy to see what happened here. The envy of these men caused them to put a situation at hand in which other people could be harmed. Now, it wasn't just Daniel, right? It wasn't just Daniel because there was all the captives, all the Jewish people. So they were all like kind of, you know, susceptible to what was going to happen here. So now we see what Daniel does when he finds out about this new law. Now, think about yourself. When you find out about a new law or something that might take a right that you have a way, what do you do? What do you do? Well, let's see what Daniel did, and then we're going to learn from him. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Is that what you would have done? <laughs> Let's think about this for a second. Is that how we respond when our rights are taken away? So we see Daniel's praying. Now, I want to I tell you a few things about this. There's a few things I want to point out before we get into the next lesson we learn from this passage. And the first is Daniel prayed towards Jerusalem. It's probably based upon uh, 1 Kings 8. It's probably based upon, so he, he prayed towards Jerusalem. Second, he prayed three times a day, which was based upon the daily sacrificial schedule in the temple that was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. Third, most theologians believe that Daniel's prayer at this time, because we'll see as we study through Daniel, it kind of it, it backtracks and fills in some details of other things that were happening during this time in the kingdom. But most believe that the prayers that Daniel was praying at this time were in Daniel 9, 3 through 19, which were important prayers of confession and repentance. We're going to study those when we get there. But Daniel knew, this is what I do. As a believer in the one true God, 
this is what I do. But now aside from all these other things about prayer and the, the prayer that Daniel prayed, what we learn is our next lesson, and that is the third one up there. Keep obeying no matter what. Daniel's response, when he heard about this, he was like, I'm just going to do what I do as usual. I'm a believer in the one true God, and I pray. They're going to make a law, and I'm going to continue to do what God tells me to do. He didn't complain. He didn't say my freedoms are being taken away. He didn't say to all the Jewish people that were there, we got to run on the king. You know, we got we to gotta protest this. We got to go against this. And I'm not saying there's never a time, but what I am saying is Daniel just kept obeying. And when we as believers keep obeying, it keeps us on track. Because guess what? When rules and regulations and laws are made, maybe against us and against what we believe, we can fall into the trap of being consumed, complaining this is unfair, trying to protest, worried about whatever freedom we might have or not have. And we forget the proper response is keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. Keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. I'm just going to forewarn you. It is not going to get better for Christians. Let me just tell you, I know that's not a happy message on Sunday morning, but it's not going to get better for Christians. It's just not. It's not the way the whole end times unfolds. We're going to learn more about that in Daniel. It's not going to get better for Christians. It could get worse, and it will get worse, and it might get worse in our lifetime. So we have a choice. We have a choice. Do we keep obeying, or do we get off track? Do we keep obeying like Daniel did? He just said, hey, you know what? King, you make your dumb rule. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow God. Because the New Testament tells us that we're supposed to follow God. We're supposed to follow God. We're supposed to follow the authorities that are put in place above us until the time they come and say, don't follow God. Until they tell you to do something that is against what God tells you, then God is above. He's the highest court. He's the one we follow. And that's what Daniel did. That's what Daniel did. And they knew this. These guys knew this. They knew they watched, they learned, they saw. And instead of being inspired, they were envious of his position. And they said, here's where we're going to strike. Here's where we're going to get this guy. Really nice group, right? Let's look. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and a plea before his God. Surprise, surprise. Daniel's praying again. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction. O king. Did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Now, look at this. Do you see Daniel's name in this passage? What do they do? They knew that Darius loved Daniel. They knew that he appreciated him and his leadership. So when they came, they said, Oh, king, didn't you make a law? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did make a law. Everybody's supposed to pray to me. Then he says this. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is the one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed but makes his petition three times a day. 
Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed. Now, when I first read this, I don't even know how long ago it was, my first thought is, dude, you're the king. Can't you just change the law? Anybody else think that way? Like, the king made the law. Can't he just change the law? Well, there's a couple of reasons why he can't. There's a few. Okay, the first is changing the law back is not a good look for the king as far as his role goes. Okay, you're not making laws, changing laws, making laws, changing laws. But the real issue is this. Notice it says the law of the Medes and the Persians. Remember, this is a divided kingdom. So if Darius tried to change this law back, it would undermine the Persians, which we have a man named Cyrus the Persian who's in charge of the Persians. And guess what? If he tried to change this back, now it's going to be a war, basically. It's going to be a mess because he's undermining the Persians. So that's what's going on here. But this brings us to our next two lessons. And in my opinion, these are leadership lessons. Now, many of you might be in leadership in different areas of life, whether it is in work, whether it's in church, no matter where it is. If you have any leadership or any authority, you better pay close attention because these are important important lessons. And the first lesson is this. Surround yourself with fellow leaders that do the right thing. Remember, this chapter started off with Darius putting guys into place. Unfortunately, some of these guys proved to be a very bad decision. He probably needed a better vetting process before he actually called these guys into leadership. If you're in leadership in any capacity and have authority to put other people in leadership in any type of authority positions, make sure they have a proven track record of doing the right thing. Whether it's in a Christian environment or a secular environment, make sure they have character. Make sure they're the people that do the right thing. Because guess what? If you don't, you will have problems. Mark my words. If you put somebody in leadership, if you hire somebody for your company, whatever, if you're a manager, whatever it is, if you put yourself in a position or if you're in a position where you can put somebody else in a position and they are not a person of character that does the right thing, you're just barking up the wrong tree. You're going to be in a world of trouble. I am not saying that you surround yourself with people that always agree with you. I'm saying you surround yourself with people that do the right thing. Those people might sometimes call you out because you're not doing the right thing, and that's okay. You picked good people to be around you because they're the people that are doing the right thing. The second is this. Abuse of power can harm others and yourself. Now, this new law appealed to the pride of the king. These guys were deceitful. Hey, king, why don't you make a new law? Nobody can pray to anybody except you. Oh, yeah, that's a good law. I like that law. Everybody's going to bow to me. That's an awesome law. I like that law. So they were deceitful, and they appealed to the king to abuse his power. That's what's happening here. Darius abused his power. He made a law 
that served no one but him, which he didn't realize that it wasn't just serving him. It was actually serving the evil plans that these guys had against a good and godly man. So this new law appealed to the pride of the king Darius and put him in a situation which he made a law that was harmful to others, the Jewish people, but it actually was harmful to him. Do you remember what happened when he found out it was Daniel when they dropped the bomb? It's Daniel. Do you remember what happened? It says he was distressed. He tried to figure out, how can I get Daniel out of this situation? He did something. He abused his power, and it wound up coming back to bite him. It wound up haunting him because now he really liked Daniel. And Daniel was a good leader. And now he was going to lose a good leader and wind up with these guys, these deceitful, envious people. Now, if you have authority or leadership in any area of life and you have the, you have the power to do good, you have the power to do good. God placed you in that place, wherever it is, business, organization, work, school, whatever it is, wherever you have that authority, you have the power to use that to do good. But if you abuse that power, know this, you can harm people. I mean, this is what we're seeing in this world right now, a powerful person abusing the power, and it's harming people. It's going to harm him, too. It's going to harm the whole country. It's going to harm the world, really, because they're abusing the power that they're put into. So then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. So now the king's bound. He's, he's bound by the law of the Medes and Persians. He's got to do this. He says to Daniel, you know, okay, I'm throwing you in there. May your God, may your God whom you serve, like Daniel, I know you're a man of faith. May this God deliver. Like, may he deliver you. And it says this, and a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. So the king does what he has to do. He throws Daniel into the lion's den. He puts a seal on it. That doesn't mean that like it was sealed with like cement or crazy glue so nobody can open it. It's basically a sign of saying nothing can be changed. If anybody tampers with this, the seal's going to be broken. We're going to know that somebody went there and let him out. So it's irreversible. It's irreversible. So the king was up all night fasting, no diversions, no, no, you know, bands were brought in or anything like that. He was, he was upset. He was not sleeping. You know, we don't know the spiritual condition of Darius's heart, but we know that, that God was on his radar, right? God was on his radar because what did he say? He said, may your God deliver you. May your God deliver you. He was fasting. I don't know if he was praying or what. It doesn't really say, but we know that the king he was in turmoil about this. He was not happy. His friend was in the den of lions. So let's see what happens. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. 
The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Just imagine that. Remember, these are real people, real emotions, real accounts. Just imagine when he finished saying that. Has your God protected you? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. So now Daniel's answer here is based on the work of God, but it was rooted in the obedience he had to God. And he also reminds the king his disobedience to the king's law did not do any wrong or did not bring any harm to anyone. You get that? So he's saying, listen, king, not only did God protect me because I obeyed him, but he protected me. I still did you no wrong. I did no wrong in this because that was an unjust law that was made by evil, envious people. But really, the overarching lesson here is kind of really the whole theme of why we're studying Daniel, and that is this. God is faithful. This is an example of God's faithfulness. Remember, Daniel is not the hero of the book of Daniel. God's faithfulness is the hero of the book of Daniel. Daniel just happens to be the guy that God chose to be the one to walk in obedience. This entire series is about the faithfulness of God and how he shows up, especially when you obey. So know this, when you're obeying God, when you're obeying God, when you're focused on him, when you're doing the things that he calls you to do, even if there's persecution, even if there's laws against it, even if whatever, fill in the blank, God is going to show up for you. He's going to be faithful for you. He's not going to leave you out to dry. Let's see what happens. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he trusted in his God. Now, this is where it's a foreshadowing. It's a foreshadowing for us. Because Daniel trusted in his God, there was no harm brought to him. Do you know what? That's us. Because we trust in God, no harm is brought to us. And I mean no future harm. Because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, the fact that he died and paid the price for our sins, the fact that he rose from the grave to prove that he's God, the fact that he said, all who believe will have eternal life, that means we are protected from eternal harm. We know that to be true through the New Testament, through the life of Jesus, and through what Jesus has done. I want nothing more for you than to make sure that you trust Jesus as your Savior. That is the most important thing. That is the most important thing. So then it says this. This is where it gets a little dicey. And the king commanded that those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought in and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them, broke all their bones into pieces. Yikes. This is a rough scene, okay? This is where, like, you hope your dad's a good leader in the family, right? Okay? Because if this is a consequence, like, you're in trouble. 
Okay, men, if you're leading your family, know that when you make a bad decision, sometimes it could really affect everyone. So this was not a Mosaic law, okay? Moses actually would condemn this. This was a Persian law. They were basically like, you know what? If you go against the king, if you go against the decrees, if you do wrong, not only are you going to be dead, but, you know, we're going to wipe out your gene pool, too. We're just going to get rid of all of you, just in case there's any problems in the future. Yeah, that's basically what's going on here. This is what the Persians would do. Now you see why Darius didn't want to go against the Persians, right? Because it would be a war between them. But this brings us to a lesson that we learned last week. Do you remember this one? We reap what we sow. The king was mad, and there was a consequence. We reap what we sow. So now we see the king's response to this, all this. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Now, in their culture, right, they would have many gods. So now, all of a sudden, Daniel's God was going to be one of them. We don't see anything here that he's saying this is the one true God. But what we do see is he's like, okay, we're going to put this one on the shelf too. People are going to fear and tremble against, uh, from this God. Hey, we're not going to do anything that's going to offend this God because this God, he seems to be pretty strong. Okay, that's what's going on here. That's what's going on here. So he says this. So Darius wanted to be clear that no one was going to pull something like this again under his decree Daniel's God was to be respected. Again, we don't know the heart of Darius, whether he trusted in the one true God at this point, but we do know this. The next verses, what he says about God is 100% true. And it really gives us our final lesson. So let's read it, and then we'll see what our final lesson is. For he is a living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The final lesson we learn is this. Praise God for who he is and what he's done. Look at what he says, for he's the living God. That is all true. He is enduring forever. That is true. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. That is true. His dominion shall be to the end. That's true. He delivers and rescues. True. He works signs and wonders on heaven and earth. That's true. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lion's den. He's praising God. He's, he's saying this is who Daniel's God is. This is this God that we found out about, that we learned about that you and I know about, and we're here today to praise him for these things. Now, for you, whatever situation you're in, you have to praise God for those things and know and claim that these things are true because there is no situation, there is no place that you can be that God can't show up or won't show up and help you through that time. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful 
for Daniel's faithfulness, but more importantly, we're thankful that you are a faithful God. And we praise you for that. In your son's precious name we pray, amen.